Thank you, Mike. Well, it's wonderful to be here. I'm Stuart Sadler, and um, thank you for this such warm welcome. That's the last of the summer jokes, I think. Okay, um, I could say that I, uh, it's the first time I've had to, to uh, hold back madness and keep madness at bay, um, or something like that, but I'm not going to use that joke at all. Um, so, on Friday this week, the House of Lords... Uh, we're debating the issue of assisted dying. At one o'clock, Lord Elton was speaking. Um, Lord Elton is 84 years old, and he's had cancer since 1997. And as he came to the end of his speech, he finished with these words. I'm going to read his words directly from uh, the Parliament uh, record. Finally, I declare another interest. It has been said three times, I think, that we need to change our concept of death. I heartily agree with that. My third declaration of interest is that I am a Christian. I regard death not as a pit, but as a door. Not as an end, but as a beginning of something far more glorious. I tell your lordships, those who will come to consider that in in their closing days, that it is true and wonderful, and you should seize hold of it and live more happily. Isn't that wonderful? That in our Parliament. I haven't been a great one in support of the Lords, but that is absolutely fantastic. We should be hearing more of that in our Parliament in both houses. Well, tonight we get an opportunity to consider this for ourselves as we get to the last question, the last talk on the uh, Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed, that statement of belief that Christians at the end of the 4th century constructed to try to summarise what Christians believe, all based on what they read in the Bible. The whole of the Creed is on the flip side of your uh, your handout uh, within your notice sheet. Have a look at it now, and we're, as Mike said, we're on the last, uh, the last line. Uh, but last week, Mike took us through the second to last line, and he talked about what it means to be Uh, resurrected in the body, how we will be physically resurrected with renewed bodies. Now we get the opportunity on the last line uh, of the creed to talk about what everlasting life will be like and how does that knowledge about everlasting life affect what we think now and what we do now. So the last line says, I believe in the life everlasting. This is quite something. But again and again in the Bible, we see God promising those that believe in him that they will not die but have eternal life. We saw last week in Mike's talk the words of Jesus when he says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. So those who believe in Jesus will not die but will be raised from the dead and live forever, have life everlasting. Let's look deeper now at what life everlasting will be like. Can you even imagine it? Well, we're going to come to our passage in a minute. Uh, But before we do, just turn to your neighbour and talk to each other about what you think life everlasting will be like. What What will happen after death? Okay? Simple subject.
Okay. Okay, thank you very much. I'm sure I could have left you speaking for a lot longer than I have. Some of you are just carrying on, which is great. Um, uh, before we come to our passage, why don't we just commit uh, our understanding tonight to, to the Lord. Dear Lord, we thank you for the passage that we're going to look at tonight. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the promises within it. We thank you that you do promise everlasting life to those who believe in you. And you will raise us from the dead and we will see you face to face. Lord, we pray that tonight we have a new understanding of your love for all your people. To your glory. Amen. So the good news is that we have two chapters in the Bible, great chapters at the ba- in the back of the Bible, uh, which reveal some real details um, that God revealed to his disciple John as he wrote that down in his book in the book of Revelation. So now can I ask Claire to come up and read from Revelation chapter 21 and 22. So the readings are taken from the book of Revelation, chapter 21. This can be found on page 1,249 of the Church Bibles. Revelation, chapter 21, starting at verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And now carrying on from verse 22. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendour into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honour of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree offer the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. 
the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. The Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. The angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Claire. It would be really good if you kept your Bibles open. Um, that's on page. Now you've shut it. Shut them on page 1,249. Quite easy to find. Right at the back, one page forward. Now this passage is full of really vivid, dramatic images. And when I propose this evening for us to look at four of the major visions here in these two chapters to help us look at what life everlasting uh, will be like. The four are listed on the handout inside your notice sheet. Um, And these are, number one, a new earth and new heaven. Number two, the holy city. Then, number three, the bride and the bridegroom. And then four, the river of life. So vision number one, the new heaven and the new earth. And so this is in the section at the beginning of Claire's reading, uh, chapter 21, verses 1 to 4. Notice in this section that the new earth is where we will all live forever, not in heaven. When we had just turned to our neighbours and talked about this, maybe you used words like, um, I wonder what heaven will be like, or when I'm in heaven. Um, well, just like we talked about the physical nature of our resurrected bodies, here, this new earth is the physical place where our resurrected bodies will live. It's all going to be physical. And I'm sorry, there is not going to be any sitting up on clouds and playing harps and little white dresses. I'm sure many of you will be very pleased. Um, here we see this term, new heaven and new earth. Then I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Well, the word new could actually be better translated than it is the Greek word new. The actual word is kainos, which is much more like renew than new. And this is really important. Uh, The new earth is not a completely new earth, but rather a sort of put-right earth. A world where all the broken elements are healed. This brokenness that was introduced by the fall, way back at the start of the Bible, where sin was introduced into the world by man's selfishness, now at the other end of the Bible is being put right. What an amazing completeness God's plan has. We are all healed in our bodies, and now too the world is healed. Way back in Genesis, before the fall, after God created the world, he looked and said it was good. Then, as we were reminded by the story of Adam and Eve, sin and death entered the reality of what it means to live on this planet. And this was not God's plan. And now, in the last two chapters of the, world, of the Bible, we see God's victory over sin being put into action, healing this broken earth to become the renewed earth. So God removes or heals all the bad, but all the good of this world will continue into the next. So this new world will be familiar to us, only much, much better. 
even more beautiful than this world is. But this doesn't just include nature. It also includes the good that mankind has done through God's common grace. This includes the good in our culture. We can see that in uh, uh, Revelations 21, verse 26, when John writes, the glory and honour of the nations will be brought into it. In our world now, there are good things and there are bad things, as you all know. All the good things, the glory and the honour will be brought into the new world and the old broken things will pass away. What can we learn from this? I think key here is that it does matter what we do now. The good will last. It's not just going to pass away. God will remember these things and they will continue. The other thing is that the good things we do are not wasted here. It may be that you think that you've learned something or that you have a skill uh, that hasn't been used yet. Uh, Well, I think if that's the case, sometimes we think of our horizon, the end being when we die. But actually, right here, the end is way beyond that. You know, our three score and ten here is very short compared to the rest of eternity. And so it's just possible that God may be training us and having us experience things in this world which he's going to use in the new world to help each other. All the brokenness of this world will pass away. We can see that in verse 27 when John says, nothing impure will ever enter into it. So vision number two, the holy city. Look with me at verse two. We see that, of 21, we see that the new Jerusalem will come down from heaven onto this renewed earth and this will be where the dwelling of God is with man and he will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. We will actually be with God face to face, being with him, living with him forever. To compare what this is like knowing him now to what it will be like when we know him then There's a verse in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13, which says this. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Now God knows everything about us now. But there is a time coming when we will know him just as fully. As we go through life, as you get to know God more and more, actually that knowledge is nothing compared to what it will be when we know him face to face. Can you imagine what it's going to be like talking to God in person? Uh, to tell you a little, little thing that happened to me, um, a few years ago I was at New Wine, uh, which is a Christian week-long summer camp. Many of you have, know about it or have been yourselves. And it's filled with worship and teaching. And I was standing next to uh, a guy from church here, Jeremy Hepworth, worshipping in one of the big tents. And we were singing a Matt Redmond song. Some of you may know it. The words are, through it all you are faithful. Through it all you are strong. As we walk through the shadow, you walk on. Well, as I was singing, I began to imagine the scene when I meet Jesus face to face, when I die. 
I imagine this scene. As I imagine this scene, I found myself singing this Matt Merriman song in the past tense. Through it all, you were faithful. Through it all, you were strong. As I walked through the shadows, you walked on, recognizing God's grace for me through my life. What I saw in my mind's eye, I'll never forget. I was standing on this edge of a massive grass uh, bowl with Jeremy standing right next to me. And as I looked right and left, there were millions of people all sitting around the edge of this bowl, looking in at the centre. And as I looked in the centre myself, I saw Jesus in that very centre. And what he was doing was looking around and catching people's eyes. And as he caught their eyes, this brilliant, beautiful smile came on his face of recognition and joy. It was like, and he caught my eye, and it was like, um, when he caught my eye, it was like, oh, you're here, Stuart. I'm so glad you're here. It wasn't a look of surprise at seeing me, just pure joy that at last this time has come when we're with him. It's like when you, if you've been to an airport, it's like when you see a smile when somebody's waiting for some to come, somebody coming through the departure, through the arrivals gate, their loved ones, and they're waiting, and then they see them, and that beam goes along their face. And this was the look on Jesus' face. I'll never forget it. So one day, we will meet God face to face. One day, as a believer, you will stand in his presence, and a big smile will spread across his face. So happy to see you there. This next verse, in verse 4, is one of the most beautiful in the Bible, and I'm going to read it again. Verse 4 of 21. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. No death, no more pain, no more sadness. Echoing again that everything will be put right. Last week we saw this with our bodies. And now we see that there will be no brokenness in nature too. Now I appreciate this is really difficult for us to truly imagine. This world is what we're so used to. It is our standard of what normal feels like for us. We think getting hungry or tired is normal. Being sick from time to time is normal. Growing old is normal. Living with sin in our lives is normal. Being envious, angry, hurt, tricked, taken advantage of, lying, lust is all normal. They are not. And they were never God's intention. And this passage shows us so clearly that he will put these things right in this beautiful, renewed earth. So what will this new Jerusalem look like? Well, there's a huge amount of symbolism here in verse 15 to the end of 21. And um, I'm going to just pick up on two of those. The first one is the dimensionality of the city. Um, The city is huge. It's 12,000 strata by long, by 12,000 strata deep, by 12,000 strata high. Now, what this means is it's a huge cube. It's a perfect cube. And for those of you who love numbers like me, then 12,000 strata is actually equal to about 1,400 miles. This is a cube which would cover most of Europe. It is massive. 
I love skyscrapers, but even the tallest is only half a mile high. This is 1,400 miles high. Okay? This is pretty big. Um, Relatively, we live in a very flat world. The other really exciting thing about these dimensions is the fact that it's a perfect cube. The cube shape uh, would immediately have resonated with Jewish readers as they read it uh, originally as John wrote it. The object that they would have immediately thought of would be the Holy of Holies at the heart of the Old Temple in Jerusalem, which too was a perfect cube. 20 cubits by 20 cubits by 20 cubits, which is uh, about 9 metres cubed. So how does this old Holy of Holies compare with this new city? It's the same shape, yes, but the old Holy of Holies could only ever be entered once a year by one man. But this Holy of Holies, every believer enters Every believer lives in. Every believer will be there with God all the time. So this huge city is now the new Holy of Holies with God's presence and ours. The second thing I want to uh, raise about this symbolism about New Jerusalem is in verse 11 of 21. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was that of the very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. We've already seen that in this holy city, the new Jerusalem, God will live here and we will live with him. We are now told that his glory will fill the city. We're even told in verse 23 that the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives its light and the lamb is its lamp. In this world, right now, we walk by faith. In this new Jerusalem, we will walk by sight. Sight enabled by the light of his glory. Vision three, the bride and the bridegroom. Third in our group of four visions um, is the idea of bride and bridegroom. In other places in the Bible, the relationship between Christ and the church, that's us, is compared to the relationship between a bridegroom and his bride. And this moment described here is what the Bible has been working up to. This analogy now has reached its peak, where we, his church, his bride, are raised to life to live with him in the new Jerusalem, permanently being with him, interacting face-to-face with him every day. Imagine a couple you know who are models of a great marriage, a marriage based on love, trust, honouring each other, selflessly thinking of each other before themselves, Loving, just being together. Self, um, rejoicing in each other's joys. And this is the, a wonderful picture of marriage is just a taste of what the relationship between Christ and his church will be. Now in this new earth, with a complete renewal of sin, removal of sin, a new, close, intense relationship is possible with Jesus. Those of you who've been believers for many years, How many times have you felt really close to God, close to Jesus, and then you mess something up with selfishness? And then you feel rubbish, and then you come back to Christ for forgiveness, and he forgives you. That cycle, those days are gone. In this new world, the most... Self... I think I've stopped. There we go. Um, The sin is gone. That self-destructive impulse is no more. Our hearts are healed and our relationship with Christ will grow and grow. 
in uh, chapter 19, verse 9, just before the passages we've read, we are invited to the wedding feast for this relationship. This invitation to the wedding feast is a reminder of the meal Jesus talked about just as before he died, when we celebrate Holy Communion together. And so it's fantastic that we'll have an opportunity to do that later together too. Vision 4 is the river of life, and this can be found at the beginning of 22, chapter 22, where it says, The river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the, great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. This symbolizes eternal life itself. From underneath the throne of God and Jesus, the river of life flows, because it's only from God that life is possible. And it's right in the center of the city, accessible to everybody, watering the whole city with life. Have you ever been really thirsty and had that amazing glass of iced water? What joy, what satisfaction we get Well, can you imagine how wonderful it must be to drink of this water of life? Notice, too, that this this water flows and gives a crop to the tree of life. And that crop uh, is not just once a year, but it's once a month. Things in this world would prosper and do prosper. And that crop would need to be picked, given to others, eaten raw or cooked or even made into a delicious jam. So there'll be things to do in this world. There will be eating and drinking and living. There will be an unending series of activities. But now, with no limitations by sin, sin will not get in the way anymore. Many visions of Revelation indicate that there will be music and joy and worship and activity. And at this time, you will be truly satisfied by this water of life. So if you're not truly satisfied here in this world, then this is a promise from God that this day will come when you will be truly satisfied when you meet him face to face. So this new world will definitely not be a dull place. All the limitations of living now in this brokenness, brokenness in the world we're in, brokenness in ourselves and brokenness in our other, in others will go. Nothing impure will be allowed to enter this new city. We are beings who are in time. Time passes and the book of Revelation indicates that this will continue. Time will proceed, but now with nothing to hinder it. Our love for God, our love for each other in this beautiful, wonderful new world, the God-filled world, will continue. To see the enormity of this is really hard, if not impossible, from this place where we are today. Authors over the years have tried to do this, tried to capture it. And one of the best ones I think I've ever read is from C.S. Lewis. It's right at the very end of the Narnia series. It's on the last page of the last chapter of the last of the seven books of the series, a book called Farewell to Shadowlands. In this last scene, of the children are talking to Aslam, the character who depicts Christ in the series. Um, I'm going to ask Claire to come up and read that last page. There it is.
Their hearts leaped and a wild hope rose within them. There was a real railway accident, said Aslan softly. Your father and mother and all of you are, as you used to call it in the Shadowlands, dead. The term is over, the holidays have begun, the dream is ended, this is the morning. And as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion. But the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before.